Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be here. I'm excited about uh, the message today. We're going to be looking at the life of, life of Solomon. And uh, Solomon was the son of King David and Bathsheba. Uh, he was the third king over Israel, and he's the chosen heir by his father David. Typically, we remember Solomon uh, for his wisdom, uh, which was he asked for from God. And we see his writings in the Bible and Proverbs and um, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, a few Psalms. And shortly after uh, Solomon's son was named the next heir, the kingdom was divided. The kingdom of Israel was, was divided. And as you look at Sol- uh, Solomon's life, there's some flaws that he had. Uh, but today we're going to look at uh, what he did right. Solomon had some flaws as he promoted and participated in idolatry. Uh, but in this particular portion of Scripture, as we're going to look at in First Kings and the dedication of the temple, he got a lot of things right, and I want to highlight those to us today. So a little bit of the uh, background of the text. We're going to be in First Kings uh, chapter 8. We'll, we'll get there in a little bit, I promise. Uh, we know that King David, uh, Solomon's dad, had worked at preparing the temple. And so he uh, could not build the temple because he was a man of war. And that's in First Chronicles 22, tells us, tells us that. But what did David do? He got materials and workers in abundance. So there's a lot of work that went be, be, before this place in First Kings 8. So many workers, so much material beyond that you could even count. So that's how much work David did uh, before he passed this along to Solomon. So we can kind of see this timeline. Building this temple just wasn't, wasn't a day, you know. It was, it was years of preparation. We're going to focus in. I, you might have turned to your Bibles and go, oh man, this is a long chapter. <laughs> Don't worry, we're not going to hit every verse. Um, and we're going to primarily focus on the, the last part of the chapter. But before we even get into chapter 8, as we look at chapter 7, uh, we find that, that Solomon is working. He's doing that, that preparation and, and, and the work to finish the temple. And as you look at chapter 7, you can peruse over that, all the details and all the precious metals that were used. And the Bible, again, talks about beyond what could even be be counted. Uh, so the, the amount of time and, and, and uh, preparation that took to get to this place that we're going to look at today in the, the dedication of the temple. Something to remember, too, uh, is that the temple uh, is where the priests made animal sacrifices, and the temple was where the Ark of Covenant was, was housed. Uh, the Ark of Covenant was placed in the Holy of Holies, and this is where the presence of God dwelt. It's not something like that we are used to today. Um, as we're looking at the scripture here in First Kings, Jesus was still to come. And so because of that, the, Holy, the promise of the Holy Spirit was still to come as well. And uh, the, the presence of God was in one location. Building the temple was a, was a building a place for, for God's presence to dwell. And everything that was in this temple, 
Um, as you look at the, you can look at the details of that. Everything that was that was put into this temple that Solomon was building was all new, except for what? The ark. Yep. Except for the ark of covenant. His covenant remains the same. Isn't that good? Believe that the, the timing of this is also um, important as we as we look at this. The dedication of the temple was intentional. Uh, it was the seventh month of the Jewish calendar. As we, you can look at eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 2, mentions a feast, and this would have been the Feast of Tabernacles. So why is this significant? The Feast of Tabernacles is a time for the Jewish people to remember God's faithfulness. So, Again, let's, let's look, right? Years and years of preparation from King David, getting the workers, getting the material. Solomon takes over. He has all this material, all, this, all these workers, and the years of preparation and detail that comes into place aligns to this moment of time, and they choose the Feast of Tabernacles because they're remembering God's faithfulness through the, the times of being slaves in Egypt, coming into the promised land. It kind of all comes to a head right here at this particular moment. Bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the temple during, the, um, during this, this feast was a completion of that fulfillment. It was a completion of the faithfulness of God. It was, and it's not just in a, uh, a small uh, manner. This was, uh, you know, a real celebration of, of years of God's faithfulness. Um, let's look at chapter 8, verse 5. Also, King Solomon, in all the congregation, everybody say, all the congregation. That means everybody was there. Who were assembled with him, and before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered for the multitude. It's a lot of sheep. It's a lot of oxen. And I think the, the a couple things that we see here, it's, it's everyone. It's the entire nation is, is present. And these animal sacrifices, these oxen and, and sheep that were taking place, um, was very similar to what we see that happened with, with King David as he brought the ark in. Um, and this was not, um, I've never sacrificed an animal, uh, but, you know, can only imagine it is a pretty messy ordeal. And it was so many animals that couldn't be counted. And so this is really showing, um, you know, in, in the Old Testament, this was as close as they could get. Again, Jesus, this is, prior to the cross. So this is as close as they could get to a place of worship and repentance is through animal sacrifice. And so this was beyond what was necessary. And this was really showing passion and love for God as they sacrificed animals that that could not even be counted. And so as they as they come to this, this place of, of sacrificing uh, the animals, it was, it was just raw emotion before the Lord. 
in, in repentance, in prayer, in thanksgiving. I want to highlight one other or two other verses before we actually jump into the, uh, the text. In verses uh, 10 and 11, it says, And it came to pass, when the priest came out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud of the glory of the Lord filled the house. So we get to this, this, this point where God's glory comes in so much that the, the priest couldn't even minister. The, the tangible presence and the glory of the Lord. We can, we can look at this text and, and think about um, several things, but I think the, the highlight for today is that in this, this coming together, in this place of worship and prayer and repentance, this place of putting God first, the focus of God, and what did it say is the entire assembly, right? All the nation coming together, putting God first, and we see that the glory of God comes. We're going to look at uh, chapter 8, verses 54 and 55, and picking it up at the dedication of the temple. In the previous verses, uh, King Solomon goes through and is really praying prayers of, of repentance and forgiveness of sins. He gets to this point of, of blessing the assembly. In verse 54, we're going to uh, pick it up there, 54 and, and 55. And so it was when Solomon had finished praying all the prayer and supplication to the Lord, that he arose be, before the altar of the Lord from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven. And he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice, saying, we're going to get to the, what he's going to say in, in, in just a minute. So what's the posture that we see the earthly king in? He's in a place of prayer. He's, he's, not, he's not doing it cute. He's, he's in a place of humility before God. The king of Israel before God in a, in a place of prayer, kneeling with his hands stretched out towards heaven. At the end of the, the verse, it says that he stands up and says with a loud voice. This picture of Solomon, the king, in a place of prayer, is one of the best pictures, I think, in the Bible. The earthly king before the king of heaven... And the nation. We find Solomon in a place of intercession for the people. Prayer sets the stage of this book. We find the, the king in this place, this, this government official standing in the gap in this place of prayer for his nation. As we, as we look at prayer 
There's a couple definitions I wanted to highlight. Prayer is a, uh, a plea, a request, a petition, an act of speaking or making a request before God. In your translation, you might have their supplications as well. Supplications, a type of, of prayer for favor and grace and mercy. And we see that's a lot of what um, Solomon continues to do. He's asking for you know, God's favor and his grace and his mercy. To intercede is, is another um, definition I want to highlight. Webster defines this. To intercede is to, to go or pass between, to act between parties with a view to reconcile those who differ or contend. To interpose, to mediate or make intercession. We see examples of, of, of this in our, in our court systems as those that mediate um, on, on behalf of others. I'm, I'm a recruiting leader uh, with a staffing agency, and this is what I do quite a bit. I mediate. I mediate between the customer and the talent, and it's usually about compensation, right? So we might do this in our everyday life. There's a spiritual way to mediate or to intercede, and it's all, often called intercessory prayer. In Dutch Sheets, defines it as an extension of the ministry of Jesus through his body, the church, whereby we mediate between God and humanity for the purpose of reconciling the world to him. An extension of the ministry of Jesus through who? His church. We wouldn't say, I am the church, right? So reconciling through, through me, whereby we mediate between God and humanity. And this is Solomon. Solomon was in that place of prayer, in that place of intercession between heaven and earth. He was the mediator. And that is what God is, is calling us to do, especially in the time in which we're living in, as things seem to continuing to pro- progress and getting worse in the world, that God is calling us again and again to get in that place of mediation between heaven and earth and be that person that is going to intercede for the well-being of, of humanity. The earthly king put in, pl- his, put in place this place of intercession in King Solomon over this nation. And that's what, this example is what we need to do today. And if, if our king isn't going to do it, God is calling the church to do it. Who is the church? We are the church. We are the church. In the earlier part, it said all of the assembly. That means no one's left out. Living Waters has been a, a church of intercession for, for
for years. I was youth pastor here over 12 years ago, and I was youth pastor for, for nine years, and, and so that's some time uh, that I've been here. And all of the, uh, the intercession that has taken place uh, through Living Waters has is, is been powerful, and it still is. And I believe that, that God wants us to awaken that gift of intercession, not just in our church, but in our community and in our nation. So may the gift of intercession be stirred in our nation. May the Spirit of God stir the church to a place of intercession, of standing in the place of prayer, just like King Solomon, between heaven and earth, and reconciling earth to heaven. And it is Jesus that does this ministry through us. It's through us. So he's looking for folks that are going to do it. Folks that are going to be in that place of intercession. In verse, so we, we leave Solomon as he's, he's getting up from his knees and, and his hands stretched towards heaven, right? He stands up and what is it? With a loud voice, he says this, verse 56 and 57. Blessed be the Lord who has, who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he has promised. There has, n- there has not failed one word of all the good promises which he promised through his servant Moses. May the Lord your God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us nor forsake us. Remember, this has taken place during the Feast of Tabernacles, and naturally in the Feast of Tabernacles, remembering God's faithfulness. And so the people would have already had this in their mind as, as Solomon was praying this over the people, the entire assembly, in a loud voice, remembering God's faithfulness. And may he give you peace. And at the same time, he says that, that he does not leave us, he does not forsake us. And so the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, does not rest. Solomon is standing in this place of intercession between the congregation and heaven, and in this place of authority, he blesses the people. He praises God for his faithfulness and reminds the people of his promises One of those promises is that he will not leave us nor forsake us. And it is a good reminder for us today to remember that he doesn't leave or forsake us. Let King Solomon's words and prayers continue to work in our hearts today that the the love and the goodness of God does not rest. He runs out to meet the prodigal. He doesn't rest, and he is faithful. He does not give up. He leaves the 99 for the one because he he does not rest. The goodness of God continues to go and to go and to go. Let our, our thoughts 
here this morning, those that are online, go back to markers in your life as, as Susie gave. Markers in your life of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Let the Spirit of the Lord remind you today of God's faithfulness. Let his spirit remind you of his pursuing. On the, on the hills and in the valleys of life, be reminded of his pursuing for your life and his goodness and his faithfulness. 1 John 4 tells us that we love him because he first loved us. And Solomon praise this, this prayer, thanking God for his faithfulness. And sometimes we might say, well, I found Jesus, which is, which is fine. But the truth is he really found you. The love and the goodness of God continues to run after you. The goodness of God continues to knock at your heart. It's important to be reminded of the one that does the pursuing. He does not rest. He continues to pursue. Are you grateful for the goodness of God? Are you grateful for his faithfulness? Are you grateful for his continued pursuit of your heart? Are you grateful for his continued pursuit even when you were not a Christian. And isn't that a prayer that we can pray today for those that don't know Jesus? May the the love and the goodness and the faithfulness of God not give up on and continue to pursue their heart. As we look into uh, verse 57 and, and more into this blessing, Solomon is praying this before the nation and is using this example of, of, of prayer that he may never, that God would never leave us, that, that he would never leave us nor forsake us. As we look at, at our own nation, isn't this a, a prayer to be prayed that God would not leave us or forsake the United States? May the Lord's goodness and his, his mercy and the faithfulness of God always be with our nation. If it's something that our nation needs, it is prayer. This is what the, the king of Israel was, was praying for his nation. And as we look at... Uh, our, our nation, as we look at individuals, we want the presence of God continued uh, in their, active in their life. This last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday where uh, we remember the, the Holy Spirit sent to the early church and still remains with us today. Amen? May His, may his presence ever be with us. May His Holy Spirit ever be with us. I pray that during this time that you're, you're reminded of his presence in your life. In the, the hills and in the valleys, that his presence is ever with you.
that his presence would continue to be with those that, that don't know Christ, that his, his, his presence would continue in your, in your home, and that the presence of God would continue in our community, that, that the presence of God would continue in our church, that the, that the presence of God would be in our nation. Let the presence of God be stronger in our nation than we've ever seen before. As we look, as we look at uh, verse 58, that he may incline your, our hearts to himself to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments in his statutes and his judgments, which he commanded our fathers. As we look at this text, I think it's easy to kind of look this over. He's asking for our hearts. He's asking for the people of the nation that he may incline our hearts. Right? Not something that we're doing, that he would help move our hearts. It's a work of God. One translation said that he would guide our hearts to himself. Again, he's the pursuer. He's the one that started it. That he would guide our hearts. May the hearts of of individuals that we know be guided to himself. May the hearts of our family members be guided to himself. And, and again, the, the, the king is asking God to do this work on behalf of Israel, on behalf of the nation. May God move our hearts to him. He's, he's praying this prayer that we can pray today, right? Over the United States, over our own nation. May God move the hearts to him. May he uh, begin to guide our hearts, the hearts of our nation, to himself. This is a a place of of leading from uh, a relationship with God. And and Solomon is not looking for rules or regulation, but he's looking for, uh, as he's he's praying, this this place of of, uh, a relationship with God. He's looking for the, the nation not to be moved on their, their own efforts or their own goodwill, but to be moved by God himself. Let's read the last parts of the, uh, of the verses that we're going to cover today. Uh, 59 through 61. And may these words of mine with which I have made supplication before the Lord be near, be near the Lord our God day and night. And may he maintain and cause his servant and the cause of his people Israel as each day may require. That all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. Let the heart Therefore, be loyal to the Lord our God 
to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. Solomon is standing in this place of prayer. Again, possibly the the strongest example in the Bible of intercession. He's standing in this place of, of intercession, and according to Ezekiel 22, he's standing in the gap for a nation. He's standing before God and before a nation. Standing in the, in the gap is uh, maybe a term that we've, we've heard in the past or maybe a term that we're, we're not familiar with. What, is, what does that mean? Um, there is standing in the gap in, in Ezekiel 22 uh, talks about uh, a wall that is, is broken down and looking for those in prayer that would fill in those, those broken places. So it could also be known as a, as a breach. There's a breach in the wall. And uh, there is an ever-growing breach. There is an ever-growing distancing from God in our nation. There is a breach. Can we all agree on that? There is a gap that is ever-growing. Can we agree on that? And our nation is growing further and further away. And so what is the answer? God is not looking just for a, a person, but he's looking uh, for, for all of us to be in a place of prayer like King Solomon. He says, all the assembly. So may, may, may all the church, may our hearts be in this place of repairing the breach, of standing in the gap, of being in that place of prayer between humanity and God. The change starts with prayer. The verses preceding this uh, in, in, in chapter 8, you know, Solomon, we find him in a place of repentance and he's, he's asking for forgiveness of sins and sins of his, sins of his nation. And, um, you know, as we look at the, the end of uh, verse 60, uh, it, is a, it is a place of salvation that, that people of the earth may know that the Lord is God. So, I believe that this is uh, what, you know, God is, God is speaking to us and wants to encourage us in as, as Living Waters has been a church of prayer for so many years, that we would continue, that we remember God's faithfulness in prayer, that we would continue to pray, and that, that maybe we would continue to pray in, in, in different ways, in different avenues, and that our, our heart for prayer would continue, that we would not uh, grow weary, we're, we're standing in the gap, that we're in that place, in that, in that broken down wall, and also that uh, for uh, you know our nation, that as a body of believers, that we would we would rise to this place of intercession for our nation like we've never seen. Something that the Holy Spirit would we begin to uh, to work in our hearts and bring unity 
as we pray for our nation. And we, as we continue to, to slip, it is this place of prayer that is going to make the changes that we, uh, that we need. I have a, a couple of closing thoughts, and as we're going to um, wrap things up this morning and, and, and do a, a few things, this text, I think, is a tremendous reminder of, uh, of the gift of intercession. And the, the text shows some, some key points. Um, one is remembering God's faithfulness. Uh, so be reminded of that today as King Solomon was, was praying that, the, the faithfulness of God. The second is the Holy Spirit, his presence um, being with us. And so uh, I, I pray that for, for you, those that are online, those that are here, that it, the presence of God um, would be in your, in your homes, the presence of God would, would be in your family, in your places of work, and in your schools, and that we would walk in obedience, and that we would stand in the gap of prayer. Today we're going to uh, have a few examples of prayer that are going to be taking taken place. You know, to close a, a message like this, I think that the best thing to do is to pray. I'm going to call up a couple of folks uh, to pray, and they're going to pray over a microphone um, and uh, and pray for our nation. So we're going to go to the Lord in, in, in prayer. Um, Ed and Dolores, if you want to come up. And as, as they pray, um, I just want to invite you if, if the Lord just stirs your heart uh, to pray as well, just come on up and they're done. We hand the mic to the next person and just, and just pray uh, whatever the Lord uh, you know, may, might have, have for you. Uh, after Ed and, and Dolores are done praying, we're, we're going to sign off for um, those that are online. And uh, thank you for joining us today. We will also have a, a phone number online uh, for you to call for our altar ministry team and you can um, call that number if you have any prayer requests after ed and, and elsie are, are are done praying and again we want to invite anyone else to pray but the altar ministry teams can come up um, and uh, be ready for anyone that would that would want prayer and then also at that time uh, we will invite uh, justin and ashley ross to come over here to uh, to the the side and and pray, and I think um, you know just what a um, this text and how that applies uh, to you guys as as you're as you're leaving, and uh, just want to uh, continue to to pray for them, uh, and as they're going in a place of of prayer, they're physically standing in the gap. Uh, and that they're also going to spiritually stand in the gap for folks. They're going to repair the breach. They're going to be like Solomon in this place of prayer. And we get to uh, encourage them in, in the, to lift them up. So um, let's, let's all stand this morning. And uh, I'll ask Dolores and Ed uh, to, uh, to lead us in prayer. So let's pray. As David... Um asked me about this this morning uh, 
I just I said, Lord, what 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 is your heart? Uh, what do you want us to pray and agree on? And immediately, uh, I went to mercy. I went to mercy. And uh, I didn't realize uh, till I was looking in the scriptures, there actually is a Psalms that's called a prayer for mercy. Uh, if you want to mark this down, it's Psalms 86. It's actually a Psalms for mercy. I'm going to read a couple of uh of the scriptures. It says, bow down your ear, O God. Hear me, for I am poor and I am needy. Preserve my life, for you are my God. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry to you all day long. For you are good and ready to forgive Give ear to my prayer. Attend to my supplication. In the day of my trouble, I will call on you and you will answer me. Are we not in a day of trouble? And all through this, he says, You, Lord, are a God of compassion, gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in mercy. I believe with everything in me that he wants to pour out his mercy. He does not want that any would perish. And you know, when I was thinking about this, I said, Lord, I need your mercy. I think we each stand here in this place needing his mercy independently for our families, for our hearts, for our lives. And uh, as I pray, I want to pray it begin here. That he give us his mercy. And I was over also in Micah. Where he says. You do not stay angry forever. Because you delight in mercy. And I looked up that word delight. I wonder what that delight meant. And it means to bend and to be pleased. To take great delight. To be well pleased with. To have pleasure. And I don't know that I've ever thought about that. That God just waiting to bend down to take pleasure and have delight in giving us mercy. But I believe that he does. So if you'll just join with me today. That God will extend that mercy first to us individually, okay. then to his church, and then to America. So, Father, we come before you acknowledging our great need for you, Father. We are needy. We need a Savior. We need your salvation to come. And Father, you've made it so clear. You want to do that. You're desiring to come and extend us mercy. So Father, here we are. We're asking. And we are believing, Father, you are delighted to give mercy. 
you said do not in judgment do not remember judgment but remember mercy God would you remember mercy to us Father you said if we confess our sins you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness Father start here in my heart first God start in our hearts here move for your church to come and bow before you and cry out for mercy for America Father bring revival bring an awakening bring your Holy Spirit to change hearts as David said our hearts need to be changed Father God we can't do that ourselves but we believe we believe we believe you are a God of mercy and Father when I was looking at that word mercy I just counted that you said mercy a minimum of over 350 times 350 times you said in your word you want mercy 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 so surely goodness and mercy is in this house today and we receive it fresh and new father bring your salvation bring your salvation thank you Jesus hallelujah let's just continue uh, in prayer Dear Lord, in times past, when the world seemed to have gone mad and reason and virtue were thought to be discarded, evil seemed to grow so strong that the darkness would overtake the light. Evil nations fielded armies with the -the state-of-the-art weapons and a resolve to put evil on the world throne. Nations far away were being destroyed and overtaken by the forces of evil. America was not spared, but was savagely attacked at Pearl Harbor. Thousands of service members and civilians were killed in a surprise attack, forcing us into the fight. The war was fought to give the world a second chance to pray and believe the promises of 2 Chronicles 7.14. We have been at war ever since. And Satan has never stopped trying to kill, steal, and destroy this nation. We now see the forces of evil moving at an accelerated pace to replace light with darkness and enslave the world. You, Lord God, have been forbidden to be acknowledged in government places, schools, as you once were. More and more, your name, O Lord, is becoming the enemy of the state by those who hate you, your name. The promises of Chronicles seven fourteen is still your promise and is for man to believe and to pray and act on. A nation to be all that you want, want it to be, intended it to be. His light, his fullness, his glory, his power on earth upon this nation, America, under God. Lord, I pray we as believers will fight evil with the spiritual weapons we have, we have read about in your word. Let our pride be in you and not in ourselves. And Lord, you told us again, the only thing for evil to, the only way for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Lord Jesus, Lord, let us uh, seek you with all of our heart. Let us never turn back from uh, interceding for your mercy on America. 
your power, your power to be released through the hands of everyone in this place or those that are watching us today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are a mighty, wonderful God and you have already provided everything we need to fight evil. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm going to invite anyone that, that might want to come up and to continue to, to pray for our nation. Uh, Ed's going to hold the mic here and we can disagree with you in prayer. Uh, we want to invite Ashley and Justin to come on over and want to pray for them. If you have any prayer requests, we have those that are on the altar ministry team, those that are in line. Thanks for, for logging in today and may the Lord bless you. Amen.